right, folks, we are back. Welcome to the second episode of the Enhancement Talent. Uh, this week, we are going to focus on our top 20 WWF slash WWE wrestlers. Last week, we did our top list for WCW. Now we're going to move on to uh, the big time, the the big boy of the federations, WWF slash WWE. Uh, joining me this week, uh, just like last week, uh, co-host, half of the fabulous Lopez Cousins, uh, Dr. Bob Lopez. How you doing, Bob? Good evening, everyone. How are you? Doing fine. Doing fine. And um, also joining us this week, uh, supposed to join us last week, but we ran into, into some te- technical difficulties. Uh, we have the mouth of the South Suburbs, Mr. Rich Tito. How you doing, Rich? Doing good, Tony. Bob, what's going on? Welcome, Richie. Welcome. 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 Thank you. Welcome Thank to you. Our, our friendly wrestling discussion. So, um, like, like I said before, um, you know, this was a very, very hard list to compile, considering that, you know, WWF is the, the big boy in town as far as all the wrestling federations. And as well, there's just so many singles wrestlers that have had glory in the federation to cut it down to just 20 is almost an impossible task um but like i said take everything into account but also keep into account this is your own personal wwf slash wwe top 20 so that being said just like last week we have our own honorable mentions um i'll start with mine um, and like I said, these could be a little bit, um, might I say controversial. Uh, I'm going to give you my, uh, honorable mentions. One is being edge that I also have razor Ramon, Owen Hart, Chris Benoit and Bruno Sammartino. Those are my honorable mentions. I know Bruno was the face of the WWF back in. The 60s and the 70s, he held the belt for like seven, eight years. You know, that that's all taken into account. But because he is just not my era, I never really saw Bruno uh, wrestle. He was done by the time I got into wrestling. I took everything he had into account, and he deserves to be mentioned. But it just, I just couldn't put him in my list. So, yeah. How no, about I, you guys? I, I 100% agree with Bruno. It was, um, again, he was way before my time. Um, and I just never really watched him. I never really followed him. I knew of him. I took into account all his um, personal records and everything like that. But it was really hard for me to put him on the list because that was one of the people I was considering. But, again, since I didn't follow him and this is my own personal top 20, he stayed off. Um, for my honorable mentions, I start off with the uh, the Ultimate Warrior, um, Jake the Snake Roberts, Jeff Hardy, um, Mick Foley, and CM Punk are my top five honorable mentions. All people that were super, super close into getting into my top 20, but I felt the ones I put into my 20 are a lot better than than these guys, unfortunately. Not a lot better, but they were they deserved to be there, and these guys were right on the cusp of it. All right. Well, I, I'm I'm still shocked that Foley didn't make the top twenty. But hey, 
like I said, it's it's our own personal top twenties. You know, and I respect each each one of your guys' lists. But wow, McFoley didn't make the top twenty. That's I'm I'm very interested to see who made the cut on Doctor Bob's list. Try my best. All right. <laughs> all, right, all right, Rich. How about your honorable mentions? I will admit I'm shocked by San Martino on your list and Foley on your list. So with my honorables, I'm going to go with Buddy Rogers, the original WWE champion back in 63. I'm going to go with Ivan Koloff, the man who dethroned Bruno 71 in the garden. CM Punk, and I'll round it out with Mr. Perfect and the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Yeah, there's a couple. Like I said, CM Punk being on both of your honorable mentions, that's a little surprising to me. Um, and Mr. Perfect, honestly, was a little bit of a surprise to me too that he didn't make your top twenty. No, I it was a tough one because CM Punk, if he wasn't, if they would have pushed him properly from 2011 to 2014, he, 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 the guy could go. He was a hell of a wrestler, and Mr. Perfect, that was a tough one to keep off because I loved Mr. Perfect growing up. To me, one of those hard ones is DiBiase, just like you said, DiBiase. Yeah. Me, one of my all-time favorites. The guy can work. The guy can talk. Uh, great character, but he didn't even make my twenty or my honorable mentions. That's how hard this list was, dude. Yeah, same here. DiBiase, I love DiBiase too, but yeah, he he didn't make my list at all. There's like a lot of guys on here, and we'll go like towards the end. We'll name we'll name a lot of guys that just didn't make our list altogether. That is just shocking, but yeah, DiBiase's on that list. All I right. admit, I do. Yeah. All right. Well, now we are going to get into the list proper, how we're doing this uh, like we did last week. We'll go through our uh, 20 through 16 in in a, in a circle, kind of comment on it. Then we'll go through our, uh, our 15 through 11s, uh, do the same thing, and then we'll take a little bit more time with each of our top 10s. All right. So in my – Top 20, my uh, 20 through 16 are as follows. I have at number 20, Rowdy Roddy Piper. At number 19, Ravishing Rick Rude. At number 18, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning. At number 17, I have Ray Mysterio. And at number 16, I have Eddie Guerrero. Now, Roddy Piper, I had to include. He's one, in my opinion, the best heel of all time. But he was one of those guys who was like, man, do I include him? Do I put him in the honorable mention? What do I do? It was up until like right till the end that I was like, you know what? Damn it. He's going to be in my top 20. Because, like I said, in my opinion, he's the best heel of all time. Ravishing Rick Rude, awesome worker, great, underrated on the mic, in my opinion. Yes. Just one of the mm-hmm. best one of the best heels of all time, Mr. Perfect. What hasn't been said about Mr. Perfect, honestly, he, you know, his place on the top 20 in WWF history is unquestionable. In my opinion, Ray Mysterio, um, best cruiserweight of all time. And, you know, and capitalized on it in WWF had a few, uh, championship runs, and just totally made the most of his career, despite his size, to be honest with you. You know, for him to be 
you know, that guy in the land of giants and still have the career he's had definitely makes the top 20 in my list. And then Eddie Guerrero, you know, again, just like Mr. Perfect, what hasn't been said about Eddie Guerrero? He's one, you know, comes from one of the best wrestling families of all time. You know, his, his in-ring ability and his mic abilities unquestioned multi-time champion Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. So he's, um, he's definitely in my top 20. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great start to it. And, um, again, I have noticed that, uh, you and I have uh, great minds that think alike. So uh, <laughs> when it comes down to it, um, I do, I do like the list. Um, and I'll start off with mine because I know again we're we're kind of consumed on time here, um, but where where I feel like I stand out compared to both of you is I feel like I still watch the product uh, from you know some of us might have taken some time off and I feel like I still watch it and still follow it um, a little bit more than you guys do so I feel like on my list there's a kind of guys that are still lingering on and still wrestling and that's mm-hmm. where um, some of my list still consists of so for me number twenty starts off with Randy Orton. Okay, um, Randy Orton. Okay. Um, number nineteen goes to Edge. Um, where we said we great minds think alike. Number eighteen is Mister Perfect. Nice. Number seventeen is uh, the original Giant, Andre the Giant, for me. Okay. And then uh, again, number sixteen, just like you, was uh, Eddie Guerrero was my favorite wrestler. Number 16, yeah, Eddie Guerrero. Um, Randy Orton. I loved Randy Orton when he first came out. Remember, um. He used to do those vignettes where he hurt his shoulder and he would do like, uh, he would just update you on his injury. And like, I just felt like he was that perfect cocky heel and, and, and I loved him. And like to this day, I mean, he's still that guy that goes out there and whenever you need some, whenever the big stars are hurt, Randy Orton steps up and takes over. Um, multi-time champion, like you said, I think he was one of the, actually the youngest champion um, to win the belt ever. Um, yeah. Edge, I loved Edge when he first came out. He was that mysterious guy that would come out through the crowd. Remember, they would come out uh, just kind of like the Shield took over later on in life. But uh, Edge would come out through the crowd, and you would never be able to find him. And there he was out of sudden, you know, first Money in the Bank winner, I believe, was Edge and multi-time champion with Christian and just loved Edge perfectly. Um, Mr. Perfect, like you said, not perfect. There's nothing else that can be said about that man. His uh, The way he would sell for anybody, like uh, just – he was amazing. He was amazing to watch, fun to watch. His from the theme song to the entrance to the spitting the gum, throwing the towel, the vignettes he would do where he play sports. Fantastic, loved it. Um, Andre the Giant to me was just like you would see this man and you're like, oh my god, this guy's amazing. Uh, WrestleMania three with Hulk Hogan is still one of the biggest moments ever when you think about WrestleManias, and uh, I loved watching Andre the Giant. Unfortunately, you know he slowed down as as he got older and. He couldn't do much, but th- during that small time, he was one of, one of my favorite uh, heels, and I was I was just literally scared to man when I watch him. And then Eddie Guerrero just loved Eddie. There's nothing that bad could be said about Eddie Guerrero to this day. Every once in a while, I'll turn on the uh, the match against Brock Lesnar where he wins the title just to hear that pop and see that celebration because that man deserved it, and I loved every second about it. Nice, nice. All right, Rich, how about your uh, twenty through sixteen? For number 20, I got Eddie Guerrero because it's like you two have said about Eddie Guerrero. What's not much, there's not much to say about him. The guy could talk, the guy could wrestle. 
one of the SmackDown six. You know, it's a shame we lost him in 2005 like we did. Number 19 would be Randy Orton, youngest WWFE champion. In fact, he beat Chris Benoit for his first title, I want to say, in 2004. And like uh, Dr. Bob was saying, still going strong. I don't watch the product as much as I used to, obviously. But, you know, he's been going at it now about, what, 20 years or so? Yeah. (laughs) Number 18, I got Sergeant Slaughter. Oh, even before the Iraqi stuff. Of course, yeah. Don't forget, he was the G.I. Joe guy in the state about the mid-80s or so. Had a great feud with Pat Patterson going back to the early 80s. And so popular, he got his own toy. I don't know if you remember the G.I. Joe figure. Came out around 85. The WF over yeah, we're going old now. I'm really going to go old school. Number 17, Pedro Morales. Vince McMahon Sr. He was uh, he was fond of his ethnic champions. Pedro Morales was the WWF title holder around 72-73. He also was an intercontinental champion in the early days, and he won the tag title with Bob Backlund for one day. But they had to uh, give up the tag titles because... Backlund was the champion. Pedro Morales was the first triple crown WWF champion. And number 16, the Ayatollah of rock and roll, Chris Jericho. As much as uh, nothing can be more said about him. Loved Chris Jericho when he started out in WCW. Loved him as Y2J. Plays a great cocky little, you know, chicken shit heel. Guy can wrestle, and he's pushing 50 now, and he's still going strong, even over in AEW. And um, and he had some classics with Benoit in the early 2000s over the Intercontinental title. They made that title good again because there was that stretch in the early 2000s. You had a bunch of dogs winning that title. Love it. So Very good, man. That's Very what I good. got so far. Well, speaking of Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho is number 15 on my list. Going into our the second half of our bot, of our bottom ten, yeah, I got Chris Jericho at number fifteen. I got Andre the Giant at number fourteen. Okay. Brock Lesnar at number thirteen. At number twelve, Kurt Angle, and at number eleven, John Cena. Now, Chris Jericho, like like uh, Rich said, you know, awesome in WCW. I love you know. He was a cruiserweight champ, uh, but never really got past mid-card status in WCW. And then he rightfully went to the WWF slash WWE, and that's where he took off. Took him a little bit, but then the talent, the mic skills, everything just, you know, he got everything just ignited the way it needed to be, and they became, you know, multiple-time WWF champion, multiple-time Intercontinental champion, you know, tons of tons of title runs, awesome in the ring, one of the best on the mic. As you say, he's still going strong in AEW. Chris Jericho, number 15. Number 14, Andre the Giant. Like Bob said, you know, Andre was he was more than a wrestler. He was a spectacle. Mm-hmm. He was he was an attraction. You know, that that's what Andre was. Mm-hmm. 
you know, he didn't need a belt. You didn't, you know, Andre didn't need any championships to justify his presence. Andre was Andre. You were there to see him. And one of my first um, memories as a wrestling fan was WrestleMania two when he won that, uh, won the, the battle Royal with the NFL players. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, yeah. One of my first wrestling memories was WrestleMania two and Andre winning that battle Royal um, Brock Lesnar at 13, you know, it's Brock freaking Lesnar. What else can you say? It's, you know, he's a house that can move the way men, his size just aren't supposed to move. He's a, He's a powerhouse, amateur wrestling champion, you know, and he's one of the biggest draws in wrestling history, yep. you know, and one of the most legit badasses. You don't win UFC heavyweight championship and defend it multiple times without, you know, knowing how to mess people up. So, yeah, Brock Lesnar at 13, Olympic, game, Olympic uh, champion Kurt Angle at number 12, some of the best matches of the of the early 2000s chances are Kurt Angle's going to be in the mix somewhere. Mm. He you know to go from an amateur background like that to being just a natural professional wrestling talent. You know Kurt Angle you know just not on just not in terms of wrestling skill. Everybody knew knew he had that but the charisma the way he can get himself over, not just as a face, but also especially as a heel. Kurt Angle is a one once in a like I said about Ric Flair last week in um in the WCW list. Kurt Angle, I believe, will look back on him as a as a once in a lifetime kind of talent. Yeah. Um, and then number eleven, John Cena. You know, John Cena, yep. not one of my favorite wrestlers. You know, but I can't discount what he's been able to do in in the company you know he just he was the face of the company for so many years and yeah you know people kind of get tired of the whole super cena you know cena's gonna win thing all the time but it still doesn't detract from the fact that john cena can give you a hell of a match and he's and he's proved that time and time again. So he's just outside of my top ten, but I give credit where credit due. John Cena's at number eleven. Nice. And and this is again, this is how hard this list is because the, these are people that, you know, sometimes you'll be like, Oh, why does this person deserve it over somebody else? But it's just like it's it's a really, really hard list. And I think that so far we're starting off great. I, I, I like your your top ten or your bottom twenty that you started off with and and uh, I agree with many of them um for me um I start off with number 15 Chris Benoit uh Chris Benoit to me is number 15 nice 14 it's one of the most I think in one of my opinion one of the most underrated big men to me was uh Kane I love Kane so for me is number 14 um I'll go with you and John Cena at number 13 for me number 12 is Roddy Roddy Piper and again, 11, since we were on the Jericho bandwagon, I'll throw Chris Jericho at number 11. Um, 
Chris Benoit. I love Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit always reminded me of the Dynamite Kid. And as a very little boy, like watching Dynamite Kid to me was you were in the land of giants when you would watch WWF when you were a little kid with all the big powerhouses. And Dynamite Kid was that small little guy that you're like, whoa, that guy's amazing. Chris Benoit was that to me again when I saw him as like the Pegasus kid in Japan. And then he comes over to ECW and WCW when he made it to WWF. You would watch him and you're like, wow, this guy deserves it. Um, he was so much fun to watch as a wrestler. Um, the, the, the feud he had with Triple H and, and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania where he finally won the title. Again, that's another moment just like when Eddie Guerrero won it. I will watch that all day, any day, every day, um, especially when Guerrero comes in at the end of it. Special moment. Loved it. That's, my, that's my favorite WrestleMania main event of all time. Fantastic, fantastic. The the big man came. That, One uh, of mine I, I as well. Michael. It's a great match. Um, uh, the fake diesel. <laughs> uh, Kane was to me was was so much fun to watch when yeah. he came in and you hear Vince McMahon that that must be Kane. You know, like when he's flipping out and he rips the door off of the the cell in the uh, in your house bad blood match. Uh, well, I'll always remember that. And um, again, he he was a guy that he was a perfect worker when he had to be, especially for a big man his size. Uh, he didn't speak much at first because remember he was really quiet, but you still always wanted to watch what Kane was going to do. And he, I remember when he won the title from Austin that one night on Raw, uh, or no, that the pay-per-view where it was a first blood match. And uh, he lost it the very next night, but still Kane was Kane for me was always fun to watch. Um, John Cena, again, not my favorite wrestler. The man could talk. Um, but you, like you said, you give credit where credit to due. John Cena was a horrible wrestler when he first came up, and the the crowd would eat him alive. Um, especially remember the, the ECW match with Rob Van Dam. Um, oh yeah, the crowd just destroyed him. They destroyed him. But you know what? You give credit where credit to oh, because the man would go out and try and try and try, and he became a better wrestler and he became better overall. And to that, you give credit. And yeah, he's won the title many times. And um, my son's favorite wrestler, so I got to put him on my list somehow. Um, there's the bias in me, but um, <laughs> number 12 is uh, Roddy Roddy Piper. And again, Piper for me, um, everybody loved Hulk Hogan. Everybody loved to love, love Hulk Hogan. But Roddy Piper, I feel like was the reason everybody loved Hogan because they hated him so much. You know, everybody hated yeah. Piper, and he was that perfect heel. The, the dude could work a mic like no other, no other person. <laughs> when you would hear those bagpipes, you would just mark out if he was a heel or a face. I loved Roddy Piper. Uh, I'll always remember the, the fantastic coconut smash with Jimmy Snuka. Um, <laughs> the backyard brawl match he had with Goldust. And uh, I believe that was a WrestleMania too, where, where, where um, you know, they show the OJ Simpson drive. So that was always funny. Um, and then I rounded out with Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho. Um, Chris Jericho to me was like Chris Benoit and, and like Ray Mysterio, where he said that he was that little guy. He wasn't that small, but the WWE didn't want to push him because he was small. So they would make him wear lifts in his shoes to make him look bigger. But again, he made himself get out there with the talent that he had, the mic skill. He made himself get noticed. And the first ever undisputed heavyweight champion was, was Chris Jericho. Um, and today, to this day, again, he he's going strong and I love it. But even towards the end when he would come back sporadically and he had that that period of time with Kevin Owens, you know, he made raw fun to watch at that time. Cause it was horrible. And him and Kevin Owens were fantastic. And I, I love yeah. him. So much. Here we go. I would have to say when it comes to my, um, my bottom of the top, however you want to call it, 
I, I'll go with you guys when it comes to, uh, I agree with you on a bunch of things, but I got a couple of other ones as well that might be different or you may disagree with. Okay. 15, I got Edge. To me, in 2005, Edge should have been the biggest heel in wrestling with the real-life story between him and Hardy and Lita. But obviously, you know, you know what can, what can be more said about Mad Hardy? Unfortunately, he fell into bad times. Great, great heel. Great, great heel. And, yes, I do remember the ECW match where Edge speared John Cena. Uh, what was that, One Night Stand yeah, 2006, we, uh, Bobby? Yeah, where Van Dam won the title. Okay. okay, that's the one. Number 14, the hitman, Bret Hart. Great wrestler. You know, he, he got better on the mic as a heel, I would say, than a face. Also a triple crown titleist, you know, great wrestler at the Hart Foundation. One of the greatest matches of all time, SummerSlam 91 with Mr. Perfect, 92 with the British Bulldog. I would say the greatest match of the 90s with Stone Cold Steve Austin, WrestleMania 13. And actually, yep, Little Chi-Town number uh, 13, Rosemont Horizon. And I could say one of the most underrated matches of all time. He had a couple of them. Him versus Owen, SummerSlam 94. Everyone talks about WrestleMania uh, 10, but SummerSlam 94 in the cage. Survivor Series 96 versus Steve Austin. Great underrated match. Not much more I could say about him. Number 13, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Same reasons you mentioned, Bobby. Great heel. Great talker. Was a good worker before his hips gave out. And I would say he was probably the first. I would say he was the first wrestler to become a yeah. movie star with yeah, They Live. Well, so you got to give hey, him props on well, that. Yeah. Andre with, the, Andre with the Princess Bride, yeah. Anybody want to beat up? Well, don't forget. Don't forget. Logan was in Rocky Three. <laughs> <What? laughs> For like five five minutes, but That's he was still true. in Rocky Three. Yep. All right. Yeah. Roddy Piper is the all time great line in They Live, though. <laughs> there you go. Number 12, Triple H. Uh, I'm not a fan of Triple H, I won't deny it, but the guy has accomplished a lot in his career. Um, being married to the uh, boss's daughter won't hurt your causes, but you did have some great matches with Mick Foley. You know, weaseled his way into the click, and he was a part of that Attitude Era. But, you know, all things considered, the guy did have some good matches in his yeah, day. Take, yeah. What was he, about a 200-time world yeah. champion? I lost count after a while. And uh, number 11, and it was hard to put him this low, but Macho Man Randy Savage. It, you know, great charisma, great talker. Part of one of my all-time – actually, part of my favorite WrestleMania match of all time in the 80s, uh, him versus Steamboat, number three. But, you know, there's just so many other wrestlers that I, I – it was just hard to put them that low because he was probably my all-time favorite growing up besides Flair. Um, but I would say with the charisma, with Elizabeth, the mega powers, you know <laughs> – he wasn't a great announcer, but yeah, I could wrestle. Got his announcing skills. 
<laughs> Him and Rob Bartlett together, Raw 93. Yeah, like Thank I said, God for the mute button. I know it's tough to to put Savage that far down on the list, but that's the whole that's why this exercise is so hard. Because you take, yeah. you know, you just have one of your most favorite guys, and you're like, man, I really want to put him higher. But you can't justify putting him higher than somebody else. That's what makes this list and what makes this whole exercise as tough, but ultimately as fun as it is. So. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. All yeah. right. All right, boys. We are now into our top tens. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to take a little bit more time with our collective top tens. Mm. My top, my number 10 uh, was in Rich's, ju- Rich just mentioned them. Uh, Triple H. Triple H is my number 10. Uh, the game. I, again, like Triple H, he's not anything to write home about. I, I believe in the ring. You know, his, his matches all kind of seem the same, but he can give you a great match. You know, his matches with The Undertaker, his matches with Foley, you know, the, the, the Fusey, you know, the, the, the SummerSlam match he had with Shawn Michaels. Um, all those matches, you know, he gives you what you need, which is a heel that you hate that can, that can pull his own in a great match. And, you know, like, and like Rich said, he's not my favorite, but I got to give him the respect. He deserves the respect in my opinion, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm, and yeah, sure. He married the boss's daughter and he's, you know, Mm -hmm. part of the WWE brass now and whatever. But I don't think that should discount his in-ring career because he was very talented. He did put on – he did have a great career, and he knew how to put on a great show. So, yeah, Uh, Paul Levesque, Triple H, my number 10. Tony, would you surprise you if Triple H was my number 10 as well? (laughs) At this point, no. No, I'm not surprised. Well, guess what? My number 10 goes to (laughs) – Triple H. Yeah. Uh, again, you, uh, I, I agree with everything you said, and I agree with everything Richie said. Uh, but again, the uh, if you remember, there, when when they did the the um, the last bow with the click, um, Shawn Michaels couldn't be touched. Shawn Michaels was the man. Uh, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash were leaving, so the only one they could punish was Triple H, and he took it, and he took it, and he made himself a better worker. He made himself um, a better person on the mic, and he went through it all. I mean, the, the slop matches with Henry Godwin where you get embarrassed doing that. And I believe uh, he had that squash match with the Ultimate Warrior where he got destroyed in a couple seconds, uh, WrestleMania as well. But the man took it, and he became better, and that's what I, uh, I appreciate in him. Um, he did tore his quad during a match, and he continued the match, and he finished the match. And I remember when he came back from that quad injury, um, my brother would love the YouTube beautiful day video. So I give a shout out to my brother there. But um, remember when he came out, that's still one of the loudest pops I've ever heard when he came oh, back. Yeah. Um, the man could play a perfect heel. He could sell really good. Um, when, whenever Austin was mad and he wanted to leave or the rock was hurt or something like that, triple H was your, your give me the ball and I'll, I'll take you to go score the touchdown guy. He was the one that would run the company, especially with trip. Uh, like I said, with undertaker and rock and Austin weren't around triple H was your man. And again, you give credit where credit's due and triple H deserved it right there. Totally agree. All right. 
Yeah, right. Now, my number 10, I'm going to go old school. Bob Backlund Brown starts my top 10. Amateur wrestler. Yeah, he was a bit of a howdy doody, milk and cookies type baby face that would probably not get over in today's WWE. But the guy was a great wrestler. And they must have trusted him if he was able to be a champion pretty much from 77 all the way to almost 1984 before he lost to the Iron Sheik. And then let's not forget his little run as a heel in 94 against Bret Hart. And then he won the title. And 24 hours later, he pretty much lost it to Diesel at Madison Square Garden. But I would say when it comes to Bob Backlund, you know, one of the greatest technical wrestlers of all time. And I think he doesn't get a lot of respect because he wasn't an in-your-face type wrestler. He was just a no-nonsense type guy. So I got mad respect for Bob Backlund. So that's my number 10. Was a fantastic finisher, and I love Bob Backlund for that one. Yeah, Bob Backlund, he's he's one of those guys. He's kind of in the same mindset with me with uh, Bruno. You know where I I understand his greatness. I know he had the, the the belt for a very long time. It's just I never really got to to witness any of it. I wasn't in that. I wasn't in the mode. So that's why he didn't make my list. He had a title versus title match. Yeah. I want to say versus Flair in eighty one that you should watch. Is it, on, is, it, is it on the network or is it on YouTube or what? You'd have to find it. I, I want to say on YouTube, it was NWA versus. It was like one. Of, I I forgot what it ended up as. I want to say a double disqualification or a draw. But he and I, I want to say he also uh, fought Harley Race too. NWA versus uh, WWF. I want to say that was seventy nine, seventy eight. So right. he had some good matches yeah, with other all time legends. Try and check that out. I, I I hate to cut you off on this, but just uh, just to add to this. Um, it's great to have Richie on here just because he, he's so knowledgeable statistic-wise, and I think it's just awesome to have you on here, Rich. So just, I just want to throw that in really quick. And we're three different people when it comes to wrestling. You're more modern, <laughs> Tony's in the middle, and I'm old school. Well, speaking of uh, modern, uh, my, my number nine pick's a little bit more modern. It's uh, a guy that was on both of your uh, honorable mentions, but he – Makes my top 10. That's CM Punk. CM Punk is my number nine. And the reason I give number nine to CM Punk, not because he's a Chicago guy. It's because, honestly, great in the ring. He had He's had great matches with Cena at Money in the Bank in 2011. He had that great match with The Undertaker at WrestleMania. That should have been the last match of that WrestleMania. That's – I'll, I'll – you know, say that day in, day out. That was the best match of that of that WrestleMania was him and him and Undertaker. Um, and then he had that great match with um with Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. I, I forget which what year it was, maybe 2012. But um yeah, he had a great match with uh with Brock Lesnar. He can have a great match with anybody. He's one of those guys you just throw him in there and he's gonna give you a great match. And he's just so magnetic when he's on the mic you know he can draw you in and make you feel the story you know he had that gift and he like rich said 
they just didn't know what to do with him. If they knew how to push him, if they knew how to utilize him better, he could have easily been in my top five. Mm -hmm. But, you know, because of the fact that, A, they didn't know what to do with him and and all that, he, it, it pushes him back a little bit farther. But because he was the guy who got me back into wrestling, um, you know, I, I after I want to say like about 2006, from about 2006 up until about 2010, I wasn't watching wrestling at all. I had totally kind of like zo- like zonked out. I was not paying attention. But I turned on Raw one night just to see what was going on, and CM Punk drew me back in. I was like, man, this guy can talk. This guy is actually really cool. And not long after that, he had the pipe bomb promo. And, yeah. and after that, after that pipe bomb promo, I was, I was all in. And I started mm-hmm. watching wrestling habitually again. And I credit my newfound second go as a, as a professional wrestling fan to CM Punk. So that's, he's my number nine. That's a great number nine. And uh, again, for me, I love me some CM Punk, huge fan. Loved him when he first came out. I used to follow him actually on the indie shows. I used to see him a couple of times here and there. But to me, again, it's our personal top 20, so unfortunately couldn't make it. But my uh, my number nine can can beat up your number nine at any time because I picked Brock Lesnar. <laughs> uh, Brock Lesnar, um, wow. <laughs> like you said, the man's a tank. Um when he first came into the ring and he, he destroyed Maven and Al Snow when they first brought him in the first time. And um, Spike Dudley, don't forget about Spike. Yeah, a little Spike Dudley too. He he's he sold that power bomb pretty well. Um dude the uh the, the WrestleMania match with Kurt Angle. Um oh, man. shooting star press. <laughs> Almost broke Although, his neck with that shooting star oops. press. Yes, but uh the guy just came in and he just destroyed everybody in his path. I mean, he came in, the rock was on fire at that time and he just destroyed the rock at SummerSlam. Um, you know, when, when, when he, and then all of a sudden he just, Hey, you know what? I'm going to wrestle Goldberg in this horrible match and I'm going to leave. And then he leaves and he goes and does whatever he wants. And then when he decides to come back in like 2012 uh, and, and just come out against John Cena and the place erupts um, and he, he just F fives John Cena in the ring and he leaves, you know, the, the guy could still do it. Like uh, the, the man just, doing an f5 on the big show and the ring gets destroyed um you know or or what let the did you i'm not sure if you watched the royal rumble uh this past one he's the first man in there and he eliminates the first 13 dudes it's just like yeah you know it's just like uh i I love me some brock lesnar he's uh he's he's just fun to watch and i think kind of like you mentioned we, we we talked about vader in wcw where the man, you know, when you were in a match against Vader, you were going to get your ass kicked. And I feel like that's the same thing with Brock Lesnar. Yeah, especially if you're Randy Orton and he splits your head open with his elbow. <laughs> Oof. Right, how, about, how about your number nine, Rich? Well, I mean, or, well, we're my number nine is back to the late 70s, a guy who has been copied many times. And you can honestly say Hulk Hogan ripped them off. Superstar Billy Graham. Probably one of the first, if not the most popular heel champion of his day. Guy had ultimate charisma. You know, guy was great on the microphone. But more than anything, he influenced so many other wrestlers. From Ric Flair to Hogan to 
Jesse, the body Ventura. And, you know, you know, he kind of, how can I say this? He kind of made a lot of people mad when he started speaking out against steroids, but at least he admitted what he did and what he did was wrong. And I met superstar at a book signing back in 2006, he was signing in Orland park. So I'm a little biased because real nice guy had some great stories, but he was just a popular heel. And I actually do remember him a little bit. Then he went to that horrible ninja gimmick. He had that in WWF as well, but you know, God, when he was superstar with the grand wizard, man, he could draw just as well as San Martino in those days. So yeah, nine. I'm going Superstar old school Billy Graham again. Billy almost Graham almost made my honorable mentions. I was I was I was debating really 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 bad between him and Edge, but you know Edge won out. But yeah, Superstar Billy Graham, like you said, just on influence alone mm-hmm. des- deserves at least a mention. One hundred percent, I agree. All right. Well, my number eight, we're up to number eight on our lists. My number eight is Mick Foley. Mick Foley, Mankind, Cactus Jack, Dude Love, all the faces of Mick Foley, hardcore legend. You know, yeah, sure, Flair called him a glorified stuntman, but you know what? The guy, the guy accomplished so much in his career. Not just here, he did it in Japan as well, overseas, you know, through the Indies, you know, with WCW, with ECW. And then when he came, finally came over to the WWF, um, famously, you know, Vince only gave in to having him come over if he put a mask on because he thought he was ugly. but Foley made the most of his opportunities. And not only that, he got so over um, to the, you know, he got so over that they couldn't deny him anymore and they put the belt on him. And who can forget, you know, the whole Roth, the, the Nitro where Tony Schiavone says, you know, don't switch over. They're going to put the belt on, uh, on Mick Foley. That's going to put asses in the seats and everybody switched over to Raw. Yeah. You know, Mick Foley, he, I think he resonates with a lot of people because he's an everyman. Mm-hmm. A lot of people look at McFoley and be like, "Hey, he's not like a chiseled monster. He's not a he's not a Hulk Hogan. He's not a a Triple H or The Rock or anybody like that. He looks like a he looks like you know the construction worker down the street, you know. But he can do so much, and you know, yeah, he's not the most polished guy in the world." But he, he, just the way he can do a match, just bring you in. He's great with storytelling. He's great with, with uh, selling, of course. And he's also one of the best mic guys of all time. His promos are legendary. Mm-hmm. You know, Mick Foley and all of his facets, all of mm-hmm. his characters, they all deserve to be where they are on my list. And that is at number eight. Even dude love. Even do love, damn it. <laughs> that, that was a super hard one for me. Mick Foley was down to like the <laughs> final, final, final countdown. A great, fantastic Richie tune right there. But um, it, it was really hard. And, and, and I mean, I love Mick Foley. I, I own all his books, actually. Cheap plug right there. But uh, it, it was just really hard for me to put him on there. And for me, 
my number eight, um, the Macho Man. You want to talk about a perfect mic worker? Um, the Macho Man Randy Savage to me was my number eight again. Um, the Mega Powers, uh, Ricky's Dragon <laughs> Steamboat, WrestleMania three. The dude can work, dude. I mean, you hear stories of Savage always, you know, planning out and always wanted to be perfect in every single spot, every single moment. But the dude can work. He he wasn't that huge giant, you know, uh, powerhouse like Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior that you would see back in the days. But the guy was that little guy that you again in in that time he was a smaller guy, smaller size guy, but. He, you believed in him, you know, and, and when when he was up there and he would do that elbow drop, you know, how many of us would do the elbow drop when we were little, you know, off the top of something that we would yeah. jump off of someone else? And it, it, it was fantastic because the Macho Man would do all the time in the pool. You want to talk about someone could tell a story and believe you, my, the cream of the crop promo that he does, you know, the cream always rises to the top. And, and I'm the cream. Yeah, it's just, it, he, he was. He was the man. I mean, when uh, <laughs> when the Ultimate Warrior ended his career and Miss Elizabeth came in, you know, you still cheered for the man, even though he had just lost and he was a heel. You know, you still cheered for the man and you were a huge fan. And I, I had to put my, Macho Man Randy Savage at my number eight. Now, do you mean Macho Man Randy Savage or uh, Bo- Buzzsaw or was it Bonesaw McGraw, the the character he played in Spider Man? Bonesaw's ready. That was another. Uh, fantastic role right there for a movie but uh i go with macho man on this one the one that uh crushed through him on the, the guardrail and lacerated his tongue that <laughs> nice <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna agree with hey, you though tony my number eight is also mick foley i mean yeah he looks like the homeless guy i see on southwest highway in harlem every day but you know He's, it's like everything you said earlier, Tony. The guy can work. The guy can wrestle. The guy made the most of his opportunities. You know, great on the mic. You know, I'll be honest with you. I didn't see the Japan matches so much. But, you know, a big moment is, hell, he came right to WWF and they yeah. put him over the Undertaker in the Boiler Room match at SummerSlam 96, I want to say. And... He earned it. He earned those belts, you know, and you were going back to what you said with uh, Shivani saying they'll put some butts in the seats. The infamous January 4th, 1999 Nitro that pretty much signaled the end of WCW. <laughs> that's the same day of the finger poke of doom. But, but I'll tell you, I mean, not only that, he is a good guy outside the ring. Great storyteller, book writer. And I will put him on the list, too, because my wife met him at work one day and said he was one of the nicest guys you can ever meet. So a little biased there as well. But McFoley, you know, yeah, I'm not into some of the hardcore stuff, but the guy could tell a story right yeah, on the mic. Great. And he did have some great so matches, quick, too. Uh, I, we, I met McFoley also, and he was a super cool dude. But both of you guys had him at number eight, and he might have lost his ear and got thrown off a cage. But. He never got bit by a cobra like the Macho Man did. Just remember that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That almost killed him. Remember, um, they, remember they had to edit out the fangs biting him? Like, Yeah, they did. <laughs> and then they took the snake out and it started bleeding and everything. Exactly. Was that the same snake that uh, that popped out of the wedding present at the, uh, at the reception for him and Miss Elizabeth? I believe so. Oh, nice. My- might have been the same snake that Earthquakes had on, but that's another oh, story. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
R.I.P. Damien, <laughs> and then he had to get Lucifer to replace him. Yes. All right. Anyway, on to number seven. Number seven on my list is noted Disney actor Dwayne Johnson, <laughs> better known as The Rock. <laughs> yes, The Rock is number seven on my list. You know, The Rock. When he says he's the most electrifying man in sports entertainment, damn it, it's hard to it's hard to fucking argue with that. You know, it's he's he's you know, he, he has the crowd and he has the crowd in the back of his hand every single time. Or the back of his hand. He has the crowd in the palm of his hand every single time that he's on the match. You know, he he's one of the best talkers of all time. One of the you know Extremely great work. I wouldn't put his his in the ring skills on the same level as like, you know, a, a Ric Flair or anything, but he's good enough to get you enthralled in the match. Case in point, his match with Hulk Hogan mm-hmm. um, was at WrestleMania. Was that X Seven? I believe. Sky, Sky Dome. Yeah, that yeah at, at the Sky Dome in Toronto. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the coolest matches of all time, yes. you know, just from the, just the way those two got the crowd into that match, you know, and you know what? Hogan couldn't do it by himself. He needed the rock there with him mm-hmm. to, to get that, get that going. And, you know, his, his, of course his he had the fuse with Austin and the fuse with triple H there. <laughs> and um, during the attitude era, it, the rock, was, you know, when Austin was on top, The Rock was right there battling him out. And then when Austin was gone, The Rock had his, albeit brief because he left to go do movies, but The Rock was right there to be the face of the company. And I believe that he definitely deserves to be in the top 10. That's why I put him at number seven. I like it. I like it. Um, for me, my my number seven... Um, the excellence of execution, Brett the Hitman Hart. Nice. Um, I loved everything about Brett the Hitman Hart. Uh, again, small wow. guy. Uh, I loved him with the Hart Foundation. He was a technical wrestler that can wrestle his ass off. Um, I think like Ricky Richie mentioned earlier, you know his his mic skills got better as he was a heel, um, especially when he's in the Hart Foundation. But what I loved about Brett the Hitman Hart is um, the man could put on match and make anybody look good. Uh, he could wrestle with Stone Cold, like you mentioned, uh, the SummerSlam match with the British Bulldog, where the, the British Bulldog was going to win, whether he likes it or not. Um, remember that little <laughs> kid that said that? That was fantastic. Yeah. But, uh, it, it was with the British Bulldog. He was he could wrestle with any, the Mr. Perfect, um, Roddy Piper with the Intercontinental title match. But same thing, he could make Kevin Nash, who was Diesel at that time, he could make him look fantastic. He could go out there. I think he wrestled a match with uh, one of the Quebecers. I believe it was... Uh, John Carl um, Pierre, whatever the hell his name was, but he made him look like a million bucks. You know, Brett the Hitman Hart could do anything for anybody, and that's what I loved about him. Um, even when you heard that, you know, the uh, the intro of his music, you're like, all right, this this is gonna be good because Brett the Hitman Hart's here, and that for me is why I put him at number seven because I was I was a big Bret Hart fan. Good. Yeah, I like I liked Hart, but and. But now that you mentioned Hart, it's uh, number seven. I'm going to name his biggest rival in the Attitude Shawn Era, Sean Michaels. 
Yeah, he. Okay. Shawn Michaels at seven. I, I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan of him in the '90s because he was a pill popper and he was with the Click and he pretty much sabotaged a Vader match at SummerSlam '96. And the fact that Jim Cornette <laughs> hates him, I automatically hate him because I'm a Cornette guy. But the guy, when he came back as a born-again Christian, because as Jim Cornette puts it, <laughs> no one else wanted to talk to him, so he might as well talk to God. Uh, um, he, had the be- he, he had a great stretch of matches from 2002 to 2010, his return match with Triple H, the triple threat match where Benoit won the title, WrestleMania 20. His overselling a Hulk Hogan yeah, at SummerSlam that, 90 that cool. or 2005, if you remember that. <laughs> and I don't know why, but when him and when him and uh, Triple H fought the Spirit Squad, there was something funny about that. And his yeah. and his two matches with Undertaker, 25 and 26. Those were classics, and that's just the 2002 to 2010 Michaels, you know. We're not even talking about all the matches he had, like with, you know, Bret Hart, SummerSlam, or Survivor Series 92, his first great match. IC belt versus world title. Um, God, in 96, every match he did in that year when he was champion, he didn't draw. You know, if he took shit, he couldn't draw a fly. But at the same time, he was putting on four or five-star matches. But, yeah, I wasn't a fan of him because of that little – how he was, but I'll give the guy credit as a wrestler, great honest, wrestler. You said that comment about <laughs> no one want to be a friend of this, right? I had to walk away. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I walked out of the room. I'm sorry. I was laughing so hard. It was awesome. Oh, that's I just remember Cornette's comment about Shawn Michaels. That's no, all. It, it, it just struck a nerve. All right, so we're at, we're at number six now. All right, number six on my list is Hulk Hogan. Wow. Yeah, I put Hogan at number six. Wow. You know, I Bob, you know, I was the biggest Hogan mark when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the Warrior Hogan match. <laughs> Bob will tell you, I left the room because I didn't want to see it happen. I, I was so pissed <laughs> off that Hogan lost the belt to Warrior. I we were watching it in my living room. Bob yep. was over. He we were watching. What was that? WrestleMania seven, correct? Yes. No. Yes. Six. six. WrestleMania six. Six. We were watching it in my living room. We were watching that match. The second Hogan missed the leg drop, I got up and I got the fuck out of my living room because I knew it was coming. I didn't want to watch it happen. I was that bu- I was that big of a Hogan mark when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Hogan, he's this high on the list because he, you know, in the eighties he was the WWF. He was the face of the company. There's no denying that. You know, um, he falls lower on my list. You know, a because of you know current things in his private life that have kind of gotten uncovered and B he, he up and left and went to the, went to the competition, you know, and that for, for me to make a WWF list that puts him, that brings him a couple of spaces down, 
because a lot of the guys who are higher on the list are in on my list are guys that didn't leave. You know, they, they were with the company through the highs and lows. So Hogan, I appreciate everything he did for the company. I know he was the face of wrestling for a long time. You know, he's what made, he's the guy who made the WWF into what it became, but there's some mitigating factors that made me uh, push him down a little bit further to number six, even there. Number six is not is not too shabby, but you know that's where I put Hulk Hogan. And and again with the the list of rock stars in this top twenty, it, it's it's super super difficult. And again, it's it's a great spot, but to me, it's still a shock just because I know you. And when you think WWF, if you go back way way back, like you and me and Richie have, you think of Hulk Hogan. So number six, that's that's kind of surprising, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, well, in my opinion, there's five more guys that, you know, it it was close, but these five guys are ahead of them. So as long as one of them is Canyon, that's all that matters to me. Who Uh, who better than Canyon? Five other people, apparently. Yeah. (laughs) Kurt Kurt Angle comes in at my number six. Oh, wow. Angle at six. The guy was uh, an Olympic gold medalist Mm -hmm. and he won it with a, a broken freaking neck, dude. He was uh, Kurt Angle was um, one of the best pure athlete talents, and like you mentioned, you'll you'll we'll probably never ever get another Kurt Angle. Um, the guy came in was super boring, super bland when he first came in, and then all of a sudden he noticed it. He heard people, and he took off, and he took off like a damn rocket, dude. Um, he could work his ass off. He could talk on the mic. He was a fantastic heel. He was a fantastic face. Um, I think of Kurt Angle and I think of him running up on like the, on the turnbuckles and doing a, you know, a belly to belly suplex just off the top, just in one solid motion. Um, I think of that WrestleMania match he had with Eddie Guerrero, um, which was a classic Ray Mysterio, his matches with Ray Mysterio, his matches with Benoit, um, all fantastic matches to watch. And I was just a huge, huge Kurt Angle fan. Um, the uh, the I, I showed uh, Nathan, my son, the uh, the milk truck segment when he came out and he took on the uh, Stone Cold and the, uh, the I think that was the evasion angle at that time. And when he comes out, he sprays everybody with the milk, and that that's still fantastic to this day. And you know the guy the guy was just he could be <laughs> serious on the mic, he could be pure comedy on the mic when he would do the skits with Austin and Vince McMahon and or Edge and Christian. And uh, again, to me. One of the, my favorite wrestlers to watch was Kurt Angle. Loved him. Yeah, his, the the bits with him and Austin and McMahon are some of the most underrated comedy stuff yes. in the history of WWF. I loved it. When he's playing the ukulele and he's wearing the the, the little uh, sheriff hat, loved it. Yeah, the, the small cowboy hat, yeah. Good time. He was good. It was hard to keep him off my list. I won't. Or it was, he was a tough one. But my number six is uh, The Rock. I mean, he stole all those famous lines from me back in the day. But he, like Tony said before, he wasn't the greatest, but he could put on a match. And like you said, what he did with Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 18, that's one of the – I mean, that's a great double turn. Hogan came in as the heel and left as the face. Well, if you remember that, and – 
you know, the, the, the match with Austin at WrestleMania 17 and the passing of the torch at WrestleMania 19, you know, cause everyone thought the rock was the future in 2002, 2003. And that turned out not to be the case. Um, but just the fact that what he's done outside of the ring too, you know, he's one of the highest paid movie stars in Hollywood, if not the highest. That's what, yeah, you're right. He was, you're right. He was the highest or, um, you know, he was the first wrestler. I remember the whole Saturday night live. I want to say it was like 2000. Um, like I said, there's not much more that I can say about The Rock that Tony hasn't already mentioned, and that's why he's high at my list at number six. It's just that when he was Rocky My V at Survivor Series 96, I'm sure he needs a shot of whiskey <laughs> to forget that moment, but and, and his WrestleMania 13 match with the Sultan, but that shows what type of person he was to develop his character. He took all that fan's hatred, turned it into the nation of domination, and yeah. You know, became a great heel. Oh, he was a great heel. And but don't forget, that's he's my in your number six. Movie, Rich, the Tooth Fairy. Yes, he is. <laughs> my wife thinks it's a cute movie, and my kids like it. So, hey, there you go. There you go. Um... It's not like I can show my kids the rundown. <laughs> or what's the movie with the the yeah. board? Oh, I'm sorry, oh, Walking Tall. Exactly. So shut up. Don't don't show him rampage. Don't show him, don't show him rampage. I that like movie football. <laughs> well, don't yeah, they destroy they do. uh, downtown they also in that? My brain cells. <laughs> oh, because they could just show the footage yeah. of twenty twenty. It's <laughs> anyway, the same thing. Let's go to th- let's go to our. Uh, we're into our top fives here. Yeah. All right. Top five. Already showed up on both of your guys' lists, but he's in my top five. That is the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Oh yeah, yeah. The Macho <laughs> Man. I'm like, like you guys said before, intense. You know, perfectionist. Wanted his, you know, like Ricky Steamboat said about their match at WrestleMania three. He had that match worked out to the move. Mm-hmm. You know, it's they. You, he wouldn't go into a match unless he knew exactly what was going to happen step for step for step because he didn't want to mess up. To him, messing up meant you were cheating the audience out of their money's worth. He, he's, he was he was said that time and time again. He wanted to be perfect every single time he was out in that ring. And not only that, you know, you can't mention the Macho Man without doing a Macho Man impression. Everybody does it. You know, and that just tells you what kind of impact he had as a wrestler. Everybody knows who the Macho Man was, you know, especially if you're if you're our age or even a little bit younger. You know, the Slim Jim commercials, the you know, the the outfits with the streamers on it and shit. You know, every you the Macho Man was such an indelible character, one of the best characters ever in the history of professional wrestling. And not only was he a great character, he could put on the matches to to match it up. You know, he he was just, uh, you know, if you want to talk total packages, I'm not talking Lex Luger. I'm talking Randy Savage. The Macho Man Randy Savage, number five on my list. Nice. I remember when you bought his, his rap CD, too. Remember when you bought that? Nice. No, my friend, my buddy Adam bought it. 
and we li- we listened to it at his place. But whoa, yeah, <laughs> um, be a man, Hogan. Two star Macho Man, really quick. You, you mentioned Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> he had it down to a T. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page, who we mentioned last week, said the same exact thing. Um, you know, he he said that Macho Man would just work it out so meticulously that you know that's Diamond Dallas Page pretty much became the same thing as the Macho Man, where he would work out his match step by step. You know, every single way. Um, so he mentioned that. But one of my favorite stories about that is if you talk about how Randy Savage wanted to be a perfectionist, one person who always hated to be bothered was Andre the Giant. So I remember when they would work together, um, he would try and tell Andre what to do. And Andre would just kind of look at him and just tell him pretty much fuck off. And the other thing that uh, Macho Man would do is he would always put himself on that the baby oil. So he would make himself look bigger. And Andre hated that. So when they would wrestle together, Andre knew that Macho Man was so um, self-conscious about his hair because it would thin out that Andre would grab him by the hair and just yank him and throw him around <laughs> the of his hair. And there was nothing you could do about it because it was Andre, you know? So it's just like when you, I think of that, I think of that story, and it's just fantastic. Yeah. There was a similar story with uh, Andre and Jake the Snake Roberts. Yes, yes. Where, um, yeah, Andre, I guess, didn't didn't appreciate Jake. Mm-hmm. So he would, he would, uh, what was it? He would, during the match, he would step on Jake's hair, yeah, and, and try and lift him up. Yep. So his, so his hair would, you know, it would be pulling his hair every time he tried to lift him up. Yep. Oh, Andre, <laughs> the, the boss, the boss, oh, the boss, geez. the boss. Uh, my number five is your favorite actor, uh, The Rock. Um, <laughs> the Rock, like like Richie mentioned, um, and, and and you mentioned earlier when he came in as Rocky Rocky Maivia, horrible couldn't stand him um it's just like wow this is horrible but then when they put him into the nation domination is when i felt he belonged there uh you know he was that uh underachiever under farouk who was the leader and then you had d'lo brown and and um the godfather but you you always saw the rock as a superstar of that group and then when he finally took off uh one match you guys didn't mention is remember the ladder match he had with triple h uh, for the ic title i believe it was that was one of my favorite matches i loved watching that match yeah um and then yeah, he just takes off. He, I remember he takes it. off, and you know, with, with the matches with Austin and the matches with, uh, you know, Triple H, and just The Rock was always fun to watch. And then yeah, he had those a uh, couple battles with Cena at WrestleMania, where you know they would announce the WrestleMania pay per view headliner a year in advance, and everyone would still be talking about it because The Rock would only wrestle that one match, but everyone everyone wanted to see it. You know, kind of like The Undertaker. But uh, that's what I liked about The Rock. He he was perfect, Mike. Um, you know, the, the guy can make you laugh at, at, at the drop of a dime. Uh, there's the, um, he comes in to attack Ric Flair and, and he's fighting Ric Flair. And then all of a sudden in the middle of the, the, the while he's wrestling with them or attacking them, he, he does, you know, Ric Flair's strut. Um, remember when he does the, uh, the people's elbow. So one of the simplest basic moves, but he would have people going crazy over a damn small little elbow drop because, that's just how it was, man. That, that was that was the rock, the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. Nice. And to add on what you said, Bobby, you're talking about the evolution versus the rock and sock connection at WrestleMania 20. That was a fun match to watch. Well, look at the look at the superstars in that match. Probably got four, probably all Hall of Famers. Number five, who's been the face for still kind of sort of the face, but John Cena. I mean, 
yeah, people do get tired of his super Cena gimmick. And in some ways, I've believed his character is stale. But you look at when he started off in 2002, 2003, he was not very good. And, you know, he made himself a lot better of a wrestler. And I also look at Cena outside of the ring, too. You know, he, he was a mo- he's a movie star, not as big as The Rock, but he's still big. But the one thing that I also put Cena high on the list for, and I got to give him props for, he is the number one Make-A-Wish Foundation yeah. uh, request. And, he re- and, you know, to be the face of the WWE and still do st- and still have time for children like that, and, you know, he's a multiple world champion, what, 16 times, I want to say? Something like that, yeah. It, it's something like that. I want to say around 16. To be the face since really 2005 when he won his first world title. And here we are 15 years later. I got to give the man my, mad props. Yeah, sometimes I'm not crazy about his character. But, you know, I look at it outside the ring too. my personal top 20. And for what he does for charity and uh, what he does for the kids. I got nothing but respect for the guy. So John Cena, my number five. Not bad. All right. Well, we're in inside our top fives now. We're at number four. And uh, number four is a guy that has already appeared on both of your guys' lists, but he has made my final four. And that is the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. The excellence of execution, Brett the Hitman Hart. He is at my number four. Um, like Bob said, and like w- what you said, Rich, Bret Hart, he had that special ability to pull a four or five star match out of anybody. You know, he could he could wrestle Harvey Whippleman and get a four star match out of him, probably. <laughs> you know, that was just that was just his gift. What 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 was it? Who was the who is the guy? They found the, the tape. They called it the the yeah. missing the missing uh the holy grail of wrestling. That was I forgot. Yeah, it was some guy that they were going to try and push as the new Hogan. Um, and he had a great he had a great oh. match with uh with Hart, but then they put him in there with other guys, and they realized he couldn't wrestle for shit. Mm-hmm. The reason the reason why they got so over he got so over with that match with Hart wasn't because of him. It was because of Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. Bret Hart made him look like a million bucks, you know, and that's that was that's the power that's his superpower. Bret Hart was able to do that with every single guy he got in the ring. In. You know, he had the classic matches with with Austin, with um, you know, uh, with Owen. You know, the matches he had with Owen, you know, his own brother were magnificent. You know. there's too many, too many great matches that Bret Hart was a part of. Like you guys already said with, you know, with Piper, the IC match with British Bulldog at SummerSlam in London, you know, there was the guy, his work speaks for itself. Not the best Mike guy, but he didn't have to be the the best Mike guy. He was the face of the company and he was the champ for as long as he was based on what he could do in the ring. Um, so, yeah, Bret Hart, my number four. I like it. 
I like. Ooh, and um, that's good. I, I kind of think about what you said with, with Hulk Hogan. You know, like you put Hogan on, on the list, and you said, "Hey, he these guys never left the company, and, and you know they they stayed on the ship." And Bret Hart actually did leave the company, but he was kind of forced out. You know, so it's just like, yeah, you know, that's it's still rough because at that time Bret Hart was the company. He wanted to he wanted to take a pay cut. He just wanted to to stick around and and stuff like that. They forced him out, which which sucks. But um, for me, my number four is Bret Hart's nemesis. Tito's favorite Christian, um, Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels to me was number four. Um, <laughs> the thing with Shawn Michaels was I remember him coming out with the Rockers, and, and you know you 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 watch them and they, they were cool and, and they were fun to watch. But uh, when he turned on Marty Jannetty and he threw him through the glass uh, at the Brutus Beefcake's barber shop, um, you know I still remember that to this day. I think we you and I talked about it recently, Tony, and. Um, yeah. You know, that that was like one of those first heel moments that you realize as a kid, because I was still young when that happened. You're like, whoa, what was that? You know, it's just like, why did you do that? You know, they're friends. They're a tag team. I never understood it. But then as you get as you obviously you get older, you're like, OK, I get it. Um, Shawn Michaels, you guys didn't mention the uh, intercontinental title match with Razor Ramon, the first ladder match. Um, yes. Yes. WrestleMania 10. Before that, remember when. uh him and Rick Martel were fighting over Sherry's uh, managerial skills, and no one could get hit in the face. You know, remember that? Man? Yeah, that, that was SummerSlam. Yeah. I loved it, and, and it was just like Shawn Michaels was fun to watch. The Iron Man match he had with uh, with Bret Hart. Um, you know, obviously everyone remembers the, the screw job, and I, I don't want to go that route, but the Iron Man match he had with Bret Hart, fantastic match. You know, that's I think that's when he was won his first title. Um, you know, and and you you felt for Shawn Michaels when when Sid came in and destroyed him on that Raw and, and just like just completely tore him apart and you know you felt for Shawn Michaels. You're like, wow, this sucks, you know. And then uh, he he was just when he came back um, again, something that Richie didn't mention. He had that Hell in the Cell match with Triple H, one of his first matches back uh, after you know his back injury, and the guy was flying off the cage through go like through garbage cans and something like it was amazing to watch him come back and. Uh, to to come back like that and have those matches with the Undertaker two years in a row at WrestleMania, and um, e- even again with Ric Flair, how old Ric Flair was, and at that WrestleMania retirement match, and he 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 took it to Ric Flair, you know, and he made it a, a, a fantastic match to watch. And for that, Shawn Michaels for me comes in at number four, sir. All right. I, yeah, the Hell in the Cell versus Triple H, SummerSlam '92, his first match in four years at that yeah. point. Well, my number four is a guy who's been the WWE since 1990, pretty much, and one of the longest loyal guys. To me, that's the Undertaker at number four. You know what can I say about the Undertaker? I mean, the guy dethroned Hogan, Survivor Series '91, made an impact. And he's always been there as a guy, not just as, you know, a popular face, but he's also a leader in the backstage area. He was an enforcer. He always fame. And he was just a multiple champion. And of course, classic matches with Michaels and Punk. And let's not forget, um, oh, what was it? His, an underrated match against Diesel at WrestleMania. I want to say that was 12. Um, there's not much I can say about the guy. He took a gimmick that a lot of people thought was silly and stupid and turned it into his own. 
and you can argue it is the most popular gimmick of all time. So, my number. I love it. Yeah, yeah, it definitely deserves to be in the top five. Um, in in my opinion, he deserves to be in the top three because the Undertaker is my number three. Wow. Yeah. Undertaker is my number three. Like everything Rich said, you know, he's not just a leader in the ring. He was the leader backstage. You know, nobody, you know, nobody would dare cross the Undertaker. He was, you know, when, when they had the wrestlers courts backstage, he was always the judge. So what does that tell you? You know, and his, his work in the ring just, is with on parallel. He, you talk about it. You talk about agile big men, you know, guys who can, who are not supposed to do what they're able to do because of their size. You got to put the undertaker right, right at the top. You know, how many guys his size can just run and jump and clear the top rope to the outside of the ring. You know, there's a lot of guys smaller than him. that can't do that. The undertaker can do it, you know, just, like Rich said, the gimmick, he made that gimmick work to a point where it's just, you hear the, the, the bell gong and the crowd goes nuts. You know, mm-hmm. it's, like a, it's like a Pavlovian response. That bell goes and the crowd loses their shit. Um, and like we said last week, Bob, with our WCW lists, under Sting is to WCW what the undertaker is to the WWE 100%, you know, a guy who was just there through thick and thin and could be called the face of the company. You know, there's, there's a couple of guys on my list who are in front of, of the undertaker, but I could, if, if I had put undertaker number one on my list, I would not have felt bad about it. But as it stands, undertaker is number three. And again, I, I agree 100% in the fact that Undertaker is my number three. Um, nice. Nice. Undertaker, uh, again, like you, you guys mentioned, there's he's another one that one of the most agile big men. Um, you forgot the walk, uh, the walk the ropes, dude. The, yeah, the uh, old, school. old school. You forgot the old school. You think Undertaker besides the streak, you think old school. And, um, you know, he, he was the, the leader in the, in the backstage and everything like that. But I love when you hear stories from other people, like Kane and, and the big show and Mark Henry, other people that were big men that he would go and he would just chew you out because he wanted to make you better. Um, he would tell big show would tell stories of how he just, you know, would walk through the backstage and the undertaker was had just wrestled a match with the flu. And, you know, he's dying out here with the fever but yet he's still there telling him, Hey, this is where you messed up. This is how you make yourself better. That that's the undertaker. Um, you know, and, and not only that, but he took that gimmick and in the middle of it, remember he changed, he became the American badass and he changed because he felt his character was getting stale, but he still put that character over. And then eventually he came back to the, uh, to the undertaker, you know, old school gimmick, but he, he would always change with the times and it was still, he was still always getting over. Um, you know, the uh, the man was amazing. Like you said, you hear that the, the, the bell gong and the lights go out and it just it seems like the damn entrance takes an hour and a half for him to walk out to the ring. But you're still going to follow it an hour and a half because it's the Undertaker. You just love the man. And uh, to me, he's just like you said, the WWS version of Sting. And that's why I got to put him at number three. 
Yeah, I mean, with The Undertaker, he's like the Sandman. The entrance is part of the package. Yes. You know? Yes. So that entrance can, like you said, it can last 20 minutes. Who cares? It's part of the deal. Yep. Yep. Well, my number three has already been on Tony's list, and that is the immortal one, Hulk Hogan. I mean, you know, from 1984 to, I would say, his defeat at the Warrior in 1990, Hulkamania ran wild. Everything from the Mega Powers to his match with Andre the Giant. I mean... You know, Hogan versus Andre is probably the biggest match in WrestleMania history. No doubt about it. And, you know, he was Vince McMahon's chosen one to expand. You know, Hulkamania got a little stale after he beat Sergeant Slaughter. And then he lost to the Taker at Survivor Series 91. And then, of course, he left WWF for a while after, what was that, WrestleMania 8 with Sid Justice. But you look at the name Hulk Hogan household name it's you know probably the most recognized wrestler in the world if not one of the top three and there's not much more i can say about hulk hogan that tony already has that the guy you know it's the reason why wrestling became mainstream in the 80s and why it became so popular and hulk hogan's a reason that mr nanny suburban commando (laughs) <laughs> I think Mr. Nanny had Kamala and, the Brut- and Brutus the Barber beefcake at the beginning. But uh, Superman Commando had The Undertaker, so get over it. Yeah. And I, I will be, I am ashamed to admit that there was like two weeks when I was nine years old where No Holds Barred was my favorite movie of all time. That was still a classic. Yes. It, it, it is bad, but good. <laughs> All right, so we're down to hey, our top. We're, we're down and to our Gremlins too. Well, what was that? Hogan was in the second Gremlins movie. He was. Oh, yeah, he was. Which was better and than the Muppets movie. go to outer space, and I think he was in Spy Hard or one of those Leslie Nielsen movies. He was in uh he was in a Three Ninjas movie as well. Wow. Yeah, let's 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 <laughs> let's stop talking about the Academy Award winning movie career of Hulk Hogan. <laughs> oh my god. All right, so we're at our top 2 guys. These are the top 2 spots, the the runner up and the, uh, the number 1, the coveted number 1. Um my number 2 I have a feeling it might be the number 1 on both of your guys lists. I don't know. Maybe I'm just guessing, but my number two is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, Stone Cold Steve Austin's my number two. Um, what he's the biggest draw of all time, made the most money of all time. Fans went batshit for him, you know, he was the face of the attitude era, he's the guy who bought not only WWF, but wrestling as a whole to its pinnacle as far as mainstream popularity is concerned. They rode that wave off of Stone Cold Steve Austin. And the way that he handled his career, you know, of course he was stunning Steve in WCW. And then, you know, after getting fired, kind of finding himself in his, uh, in his brief period in ECW into his early days in WWF. And then finally finding that 
that that gimmick, that character that would get him over and just change the face of wrestling, the Stone Cold character. You know, everything that that has been said about Steve Austin has already been said, of course, but you know, to call it's not with it's not a hype. It's not hyperbole to say that Stone Cold Steve Austin is the most important wrestler in the history of the business. You know, I you say that, and that makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, there's one more guy I put ahead of him on the list just for personal preferences, but Steve Austin, he's not he's second not by much, you know. It's to me, my list is one in one A. And, you know, one A is Stone Cold Steve Austin. I love Steve Austin. He deserves to be on the top of a lot of lists. It's just on this, my particular list, he's at number two. No, and I, I agree 100% in the fact that you're saying, you know, um, a lot of these guys could be like our top five, our, our last five could be, you know, one through five. Easily all of them could be number one. But uh, I, I 100% agree. Stone Cold Steve Austin is my number two. Oh, um, he's your two, too. Awesome. He's number two. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sad that you forgot to mention the ringmaster gimmick. Um, wow. Yeah, he was the ringmaster. He was, he was, Ted DiBiase was his manager and he was the man there. But uh, yeah, when, when he took off and he did the promo against Jake the Snake Roberts, King of the Ring, when he became the King of the Ring, uh, that, that Stone Cold Steve Austin was born. And, and from there, um, when that glass shattered, you want to talk about a pop, uh, that glass shattered, just like Undertaker, when you hear that gong, that glass shattering, boom, that's it. You're in for a hell of a ride with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, as a heel, again, he was the one getting over with Shawn Michaels, or not Shawn Michaels, uh, Bret Hart in the match that uh, Richie mentioned earlier, where, you know, he the submission match where he passes out, um, and that, that made him a face again, you know, and, and he takes off and everyone wanted to be stone cold steve austin you know the, they the guy beating up his boss and everybody loved that and uh the popularity he took and to me at that time the stunner was one of the best moves you know i love the stunner because not a lot of people had, were using that version of it uh but when when he would set you up for the stunner it was fantastic and um yeah to me stone cold love him uh, all the all the the backstage stuff that he would do, or you know the the beer truck, um, where he would run over McMahon's uh, car or the Rock's car, or just the the angles he had with uh, the Rock and and Shawn Michaels and uh, Triple H, the, the the small little skirmish he had with Mike Tyson. Even ESPN was covering that, you know, like yeah, man, and that's why to me he could be one easily, but I got him at number two for Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like you guys as well, he's my number two as well. Wow. He's my number two because, to me, Steve Austin is the reason the WWF is still around today. You look at the WWF in 1996, it was, it was in bad shape, even with Michaels as champion. And WCW is about to hit its stride with Nitro and the NWO. And WWF... I would. I don't want to say single-handedly, but you could say around the Monday Night Wars. Going back to what Bobby said with just Tyson, and of course, to me, the best match of the 90s, and maybe the one of the top ever, the great double turn at WrestleMania 13. I mean, 
it's a shame that Art broke his neck at SummerSlam 97 because one thing that's forgotten is the guy could wrestle. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I believe if Owen Hart didn't, you know, if if, if the neck wasn't broken on that, on that fateful pile driver at SummerSlam 97, he, I'd say he would be considered the greatest wrestler of all time, even better than anybody. Yeah. It's just a shame because, you know, prior to that SummerSlam match, you know, with Owen Hart, he had the classic, you know, the double turn match, which I've mentioned, of course, and Survivor Series with Bret Hart and, you know, the King of the Rings. And, you know, don't forget about the infamous Brian Pillman gimmick and the gun at uh, Brian Pillman's home on Raw. So, yeah, about Steve Austin as in, yeah, definitely yeah. number two. I, I, I jump on Richie on that one because I, I think there's a, I want to say it's Benoit. I want to say later on in his career, there's a match with Stone Cold Steve Austin and Chris Benoit. It was Benoit's the one that's sticking out, but all of a sudden out of nowhere, they made it into a technical match in the middle of it where they're just throwing hip tosses and, and uh, wrist locks and all this other stuff. And you're just like, Oh my God, Stone Cold can wrestle, and this is amazing because you never see them like that. Like, I think it was Benoit that brought it out on him, but it was just—I remember seeing that with you, Tony, actually, and it was just like, mm-hmm. wow, this is amazing. Yeah, I mean, enough—I mean, enough, like, enough can't be said because, like Rich said, when Owen, you know, pile drove him and broke his neck uh, back in '97. Not only did Austin have to come back from that, he had to change his wrestling style. Yeah. He could he couldn't be the the technical guy he used to. He had to change it up and be more of a brawler because you know his he just couldn't take that kind of damage anymore and he still made it work. He still won that match when he broke his neck. Remember that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The the best the best roll up of all time. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I honestly I'm surprised. I thought Steve Austin would have been number one on at least one of your guys' list, but no, we all had him in number two. That's surprising. I'm curious to see who the number ones are. Well, no further ado. Let's go to our number ones. My number one, both has been on both of your lists. Mm-hmm. It's the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. He is wow. my number one. Yes. I know... You know, like like Rich said, yes, backstage was not the best cat to get along with. <laughs> but going strictly by what he did in the ring and with his character, goddamn, Shawn Michaels, you know, he he was he was the he was the show. You know, he, he was the guy who who could just pull out all the stops and bring you one hell of a match. You know, his matches with the undertaker, of course, his matches with, with Bret Hart, of course, you know, he, and then not only that, he retires because of a back injury and he's out of wrestling for four years, four years. And then he comes back in 2002 and it's like he didn't miss a beat. He's he's back to getting great matches out of guys like Triple H, um, The Undertaker against Cena, you know, Chris Jericho. You know, it's like he never left. 
And I think, honestly, that back portion of his career, that post-2002 onward until he retired, that was probably the best portion of his career. I think that trumps the stuff he did before it. You know, so he was just and the master of selling. You know, I don't think anybody could really sell a, a match the way that Shawn Michaels could. You know, his technical abilities, his in-ring abilities are beyond parallel. Great on the mic. You know, when he's a when he's a face, you want to cheer him. When he's an asshole heel, you want to kill him. He's he is, in my opinion, pro wrestling personified. And you know, and he is part of <clears throat> some of the greatest matches, bar none, in wrestling history. And the and talk about influence. There are so many wrestlers, especially in the younger generation, that have been influenced by Shawn Michaels. You know, the the same way the generation before him was influenced by Ric Flair, I think the newer generation is influenced by Shawn Michaels. So yeah, Shawn Michaels is my number one. Wow. I like it. I like it. And actually, um two couple things. Uh, with with Shawn Michaels, uh, one one of my favorite matches is uh, he had a match with Shelton Benjamin, who was also uh, should have been an honor of mention for me. But uh, remember when he he super kicked Sh- Shelton Benjamin in the yeah. air um, when he when he was one- springboarding across the ring. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Love that. Um, I, I, that was just. But I think someone that could sell just as perfect as Shawn Michaels was Mister Perfect. We talked about that earlier, where that guy could sell like no other. And uh, it, it was just Shawn Michaels was again he was four on my list, but he could have easily been number one. He could have easily been number one. But for for me, for me, Hulk Hogan's my number one. Um, and, and I go with Hogan number one. I know he was number three on Richie's list, and for you he was number six. But for me, number one because I don't think I'd be a fan of wrestling if Hulk Hogan was not around. Um, yeah. So many things we mentioned about some of the people on our list. How many people have never quoted Macho Man Randy Savage? How many of us have never quoted, well, you know something mean, Gene, or let me tell you something, brother? How many of us have never stood in front of a damn mirror and done Hulk Hogan's signature poses after we would win a match? Um, <laughs> you know, the when he would Hulk up, you know, he would Hulk up and he it would do the finger wag and he would point at you and be like, you, you know, like. It's something small like that. We were talking mm-hmm. about The Rock, where The Rock would do the, the people's elbow and you wouldn't mark out. We would mark out to a finger wag from Hogan. You know, it's just like yeah. the, the man yeah. was amazing. And yeah, he made, he stole the gimmick from, from superstar Billy Graham, like Rich, Richie mentioned earlier, but he took it and he ran with it. And he was the chosen one. I would not probably have watched wrestling if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan. Um, the, when Andre the Giant ripped his chain off, during the Piper's Pit segment, you know, you're like, you cried because you're like, he's hurting Hulk Hogan. That's my favorite guy. You yeah. know, you, you talked <laughs> about walking out of the, the, the main event of WrestleMania because you didn't want to see the Ultimate Warrior beat him. Um, you know, it's just like, holy crap. But again, to me, Hulk Hogan was wrestling during 
the 80s, early 90s when we were kids. And to me, I would not be a wrestling fan if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan. I get you might not like some of the stuff, you know, as he got older. And I agree with you 100% on that. But we're talking about personalities as we get older. I'm talking about wrestling and what wrestling meant to me. And that was Hulk Hogan at number one. I, hey, I don't, I don't fault you for having Hogan at number one. I mean, in ring, you know, you know, what, what did Gorilla Monsoon say about him? You wouldn't know a wrist lock from a wrist watch, but you know, but you know what? As far as charisma goes, Hulk Hogan is the most charismatic wrestler of all time. There's no doubt. None better. And again, we talked about The Undertaker. His music would go off. Stone Cold music. You hear Hogan's music off. You you get even if you're 45 years old and you're watching you tomorrow, yeah. you hear that damn music play. You're gonna mark your ass off. And I still yeah. say, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Kurt Angle. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to it, Richie. Who's number one on your list, Richie? I'm 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 I'm, like, I'm anxious for this one. My number one was only on Tony's. Um notable honorary ones and that's bruno san martino you look at the career he had now we're going back to the territory days and the influence he had on the generation that ended up having another influence on the next generation that guy could sell out madison square garden he could be facing guys like stan stesiak or gorilla monsoon but the guy had a run from 1963 all the way to 71 as a champion, nine years. Then he had another big run from 73 to 77 until Superstar beat him in 77 for the belt. And you just look at how, how he could draw with just the most basic. His promos weren't the greatest. He was, you know, he was a brawler. But it's just a charisma he brought to the ring and how, you know, obviously, you know, Bruno brought in the Italians. And there's an old story where I guess one of Bruno San Martino's mob friends wanted to kill classy Freddie Blassie because he thought wrestling was on the up and up. And Bruno more or less told him, don't do it. I'll take care of it myself. That's the kind of effect he had on people. They He made people believe in it. And Austin, you know, guys like Austin, Michaels, Hogan, any one of them would make a great number one. And, you know, all those arguments are legit. But I'm going to go old school and say Bruno San Martino, he's my number one. Well, you are the old school guy, Rich. So it makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> no, I like it. I think all the lists were really good. I think uh, I think they were all good. I, I really enjoyed having Richie in on this conversation because, again, Richie goes – uh, when it comes to statistics and everything like that, he, he's very knowledgeable, and I, I love that about it. And, uh, again, it's just a different voice and a different opinion on what we did last week, and uh, I enjoyed it this week. And I will say this. Benoit wasn't on my list because he would have been on my WCW Hall of Fame. Okay. Yeah. And then, then, again, Rick Rude for me, super hard. I love me, Rick Rude. I, I, I couldn't put him on the list because – he just it, it was tough uh rick rude the honky-tonk man greatest yeah. champion of all time you know that's how he would promote himself but the honky-tonk to the ted dibiase um these were all guys that you're like man you think of wwe you think of these guys but again this is such a hard list that you're like mm, i what, want what, to but I what can't. about guys what about guys like you know yoko zuna 
Yoko Juno wasn't on any of our lists. He's a former champion. You know. Yeah. There's uh Nash. Yeah. Well Nash was our WCW list. Yeah, no, Nash was on both of our WCW lists. Okay. And then uh-huh. Rick Rude was on mine. So that's why he wouldn't have made my WWF list. Yeah, to me, Rude was more tied, you know, personally, he was more tied with um, WWF than uh, than WCW, but I could see how he would have made the other list, too. Um, you know, he was part of the Dangerous Alliance and all that. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's a like Junkyard Dog wasn't on any of our lists. Greg the Hammer Valentine wasn't on any of our Bulldog. You know, there's there was a lot of guys. Barry you know, Horowitz. Yeah, Barry Hor Barry Horowitz, exactly. <laughs> on none of our lists. Brooklyn Brown. You know, it it was just so hard to to prune this down to twenty guys. Mm-hmm. You know, there were so many worthy guys that just you want you want to at least get them some airtime, but it's just too hard of a task, especially in this federation. You know. Yeah, and I mean, there's so many people now that are out there now. You know, you got your your Seth Rollins, your Roman Reigns, guys that are wrestling now. That I mean, it's such a small small sample size. But I mean, Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan didn't make any of our lists. Daniel Bryan was one that I sat there and I thought of for a long time. And again, for me, it felt like I had such a small sample size of Daniel Bryan. I love Daniel Bryan, Ring of Honor, and everything that he's done in the past. Yeah. Love him. But again, it was just like, mm, you know, yeah. it was really hard. And, it, and you know, what was hard for me. AJ Styles. Again, AJ, one. Yes. yeah, AJ Styles is you know he's had a great career, one of the best. You know, if we if we were doing a TNA Impact list, he'd be number one. But on a WWF list, I just couldn't i I couldn't put him in. Yeah, it was really hard. But I I, I agree wholeheartedly with you on that one. Yeah, um, yeah there's just so many people that just stand out there. You're like, oh man, these guys are fantastic. Oh, but I can't put them on my list because I feel like there's someone a little bit better than them. A little bit better, yeah. You know. All right, guys. Well, that was our uh, WWF slash WWE top twenty. Uh, yeah, you guys. How you guys feel about it all? I like, I like it. it. It was hard. I yeah. think it was the hardest list. It was very difficult. Yeah. Very difficult, but very fun. And I, I appreciate both you guys coming on this week. You know, we got some pretty good uh, feedback from our first episode, mm-hmm. and um, hopefully, we'll have just as much, if not more, positive feedback from this one. I want to thank you guys for coming on. Thank you, brother, for having us. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, not a problem. Um, like I said, we got the Labor Day weekend coming up, so uh, we may have to take a, a week off. But um, even if we do, we'll be back definitely in a couple weeks uh, to give you guys another list, and uh, we'll, we'll be seeing you then. So for uh, myself... For Dr. Bob and for the Mouth of the South Suburbs, Rich Tito, I'm Tony Lopez, and we'll see you guys next time. Next time in the land of extreme, no? In the land of extreme. That Yeah, that's a little teaser. Have a good night, brother. Good night, Have a good guys. night.